Take your Bibles tonight and turn to Colossians in chapter number three, if you would. Colossians in chapter three will stand in honor of God's word here um, this evening. Isn't it wonderful to get to be a part of something that is biblical and uh, that is God and truly is God's work in the in the earth. And I, I prayed along the same lines that that um, Brother Montoro did that that what is accomplished would be very evident that God has done that, which would be true of any of us. And so I thank the Lord uh, for the opportunity we've had as a church even to pray for them. And I trust that you'll continue to do that. They actually will be leaving on uh, Tuesday to go for their first um, stop in deputation in San Leandro, California. So uh, they'll get a big, big start there. I know a great church that they'll get to be a part of there. It's very exciting. Okay, uh, Colossians in chapter number three is what we're going to consider tonight. And we're going to look at the first four verses of Colossians chapter three, where Paul writes, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And then he explains that reasoning. He says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then I love verse four, not that I didn't like the others, but verse four is awesome. When Christ, who is our life, see, see what your life's all about here tonight? Christ, who is our life, I like this, shall appear, indicating that he will, he shall appear. When he shall appear, then shall we also appear with them in glory. <laughs> Set your affections on things above. So the title of the message tonight, it's a charge uh, to Brother Chad and Miss Sarah, but it really, it's a charge to all of us because it's the word of God that's given to all of us here tonight. And I trust it'll be a help to you as well. And so that I'm just giving it this title with your affection set on things above, with your affection set on things above, your destination determines your direction. Your destination determines your direction, or at least it should. Would you stop and think about that, lest that just kind of slid right past you? Your destination determines your direction. You got here tonight, good job. Your destination determines your direction. <laughs> you got here. Your destination determines your direction, or at least it should. Okay, I'll explain what I mean by that here as we get into it. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So I already mentioned, uh, Brother Chad and Sarah both have been a real blessing. I got to know Chad at Melrose Park. Uh, um, it's a famous baseball park here in Oklahoma City. <laughs> no, maybe not so famous, but it's where I started playing baseball with them. You were about 14 years old, I guess, and little did I realize then I was pitching to somebody to be sent out from the church. It's pretty awesome. See God's handiwork in it all. Uh, he struck out then, but I'm trusting he's going to do well now. <laughs> he served uh, as our, our children, some of yours as well. Sunday school teachers, Sarah likewise, have been faithful Sunday school teachers. Uh, they've made visits. Uh, they've been part of this church staff. And I really believe, church, that uh, just as much as they're called to go, we're called to send. And, uh, and we ought to feel like a part of us is leaving here to go where they're going, which is in northern Kenya eventually. 
uh, the work with the Mickeys for a while, but in Kenya, northern part of Kenya, one of the largest, in fact, I think the second or third largest refugee camp in the world is there. And uh, they'll be doing some work there, also South Sudan. But I really feel like a part of us, if we're doing it right as a sending church, and that we're not a sender in name only, but also in deed, that a part of us is there. And truly it is part of this church family. Um, both of you are very blessed to be a part of godly families. You really are. I mean, you, you, you're, you're greatly blessed. Um, godly siblings and, and parents and grandparents. I mean, you really, you, you got it on both sides. Yeah. Uh, you've been living for the Lord and I thank God for the way that you're endeavoring to raise another generation for Christ. Um, and uh, with your kids and they're precious. And, and so we're thankful tonight that you're willing to go and serve in Africa. You, and uh, they also, I just want to add this here, just a few uh, words more about, about them. We'll get into the text, but they were good students at Heartland Baptist Bible College, exemplary. And, and uh, Brother Chad also into the grad school and, and, um, and I'm grateful for that. And I think you were prepared for deputation by your own families as much as your families have traveled. Uh, you prepared for that. I'm still amazed at Brother and Miss Montoro, how many trips they've made from, Oklahoma, from New York City to Oklahoma City. It's countless miles that you've traveled there. So you well prepared your daughter for deputation. It'll be a piece of cake, I guarantee you that way, you know. But uh, just tremendous. Um, and I'm thankful uh, for that. Example, traveling as a, in a group and such. Working at O'Reilly's, Brother Chad, you worked hard. Thankful for that. And, and uh, then the hours um, that you invested in learning to fly and work on airplanes and Sarah bringing you lunch during that time, I think 70 hours a week, somewhere right in there, isn't that right? 70 hours a week, probably felt like more, but um, it was quite a bit of time invested there. Your kids have been a blessing here, their music and and I'm glad we get to be a part of this coronation service with you here tonight. And um, so I asked Brother Chad on Sunday night about what's your life verse? And he very quickly said, Colossians chapter three and verse two, set your affections on things above. Aviation missions. I mean, it just kind of fits. Um, and uh, in fact, Brother Ray Painter's here tonight. Brother Ray, just raise your hand for those that maybe don't know Brother Ray. And uh, aviation Affection Above Aviation is out of Southwest Baptist Church. Brother Chad's been a part of that. The idea is to uh, train men to be pilots that are called to do that. And so that's the verses there. But Brother Chad had those verses way before Brother Ray came up with the name. So anyway, just whatever that's worth. It's been a part of his life, Brother Chad's life, a long time. I want to say this tonight. You don't have to be called to aviation missions to appreciate and get something out of the verses that we're reading here tonight. In fact, you can love solid ground. <laughs> I remember the words of Dave Hardy who said, you know, it's a lot better to be here and wish you're up there flying than to be up there flying and wishing that you're on solid ground, right? So anyways, I understand that. But I do appreciate it. I'm glad that God has called some. And we've got to be very creative in getting the gospel to some of the remote parts of the earth. You know, I've heard enough from the uh, from the Switzers and others, you know, Brother Jonathan, you're here tonight. It's such a blessing that you get to be here. They're about to leave uh, and do reporting. The gospel has got to move. There's so many uh, people groups that have not yet heard that Jesus died for them. And I, and I love it, Brother Hainline, that God put it on your heart early that, 
that parts of Africa still yet needed the gospel. He didn't let you go there. I'm glad he brought you here and he's sending your son there, y'all son there. And, and that's a tremendous blessing. I'm grateful to God for that. And, and, uh, and so I'm thankful we get to be a part of it. But the main reason that we're all part of it here tonight, whether it's sending the gospel in Africa or right here in Oklahoma City, it's because Christ deserves to have preeminence. He's before all things. I started to study for this message and I use a certain Bible program and it just brings up a set of verses that are uh, kind of compiled together that have a similar theme. And as I began to study on the message, Brother Chad, you know, just even from Sunday to tonight, uh, these verses came up, Colossians 1.17. He, Jesus, is before all things. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So many verses throughout the New Testament talk about the fact that Jesus is, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, it's a repeated theme. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 7, and, and Romans chapter number 8, and 1 Peter chapter number 3, they all mention that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God on high, indicating this, he's above all. He's above all, and so that gives us the supreme and the highest authority to do what we're doing here tonight. Listen, we're not getting our commission from the president of the United States or some king, some earthly king. No, friend, listen, we're here tonight doing what we're doing as a church, fulfilling the great commission of the authority of the highest, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no higher authority, and so we've got perfect authority to do what this is calling on us to do. That's very encouraging. This message even fits very well with last Wednesday night's message as we were in Revelation chapter number uh, two. And when we were considering this church, if you remember, don't give your first love second place. Don't give your first love. Jesus ought to be your very first love. Don't give your first love second place. These verses that we're considering, he talks about setting your affection on things above. It has to do with your focus. How many of you have a hard time focusing? <laughs> I think we all do. Every time I say the word focus, I think about Brother Ron Jones up at Temple Baptist Church in El Dorado, Kansas. You know what I'm talking about? Every now and then he'll get to preaching and he goes off on something and he'll just tell himself, focus. Or Miss Twyla, his wife, will tell him to focus. So anyways, I hear the word focus, I think about Brother Jones. We can get so focused on our cell phones, so focused on sports, so focused on relationships, so focused even on kids, so focused on jobs, so focused on problems, that if we're not careful, we'll lose our focus on Christ. Your focus determines your direction. Have you ever been driving down the road and you get kind of focused over here and what happens? You start driving over here or you start getting focused over here and you start driving over there. Isn't that how it is? My dad, when he was driving, was all the time looking for deer. You know what happened? We'd drive off, you know, the road here, drive off the road there, because where you focus is where you go. I thought about it this way, Brother Chad, in, in thinking about a flight pattern. I don't know a whole lot about aviation, just kind of what I've observed in your life and, and, and others. But, but, you know, as you set that destination, whatever it, whatever it is, that then determines your direction. Isn't that how it works? You set your destination, and so then that determines your overall, your direction. So here, Paul is saying, listen, here's where we all need to set our affection, where we need to set our focus. We, we have a destination. By the way, Ephesians would bear out. Romans would say the same. Colossians is saying the same thing in, in saying this, that we are seated together in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're saved tonight, your ultimate destination is heaven. 
So as you set your affection on things above, it determines your course here below. But if you don't have your destination firmly fixed in your mind, you won't be going in the right direction here below. Does that make sense to you? Somebody has said this, you know, that person, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You ever heard that? That person's so heavenly minded that they're no earth, they're not earthly good. I don't think most Christians have a hard time with that one. I think it's actually the other way around. They're too earthly minded, so they're no heavenly good. Do you get it? So focus on the things here below that we lose sight of what really matters. What really matters. If your direction does not match your destination, you've got problems. You've been there before? What was it Daniel Boone said? I've never been lost, but I will confess to being very confused for about two weeks. Right? If, you're, if your direction doesn't match your destination, you've got problems. That's what was going on in Colossae. Corrie Boone said this, look around, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest. Isn't that good? Look around, look around and be distressed. Look inside, you'll get depressed. But if you look to Jesus, you'll be at rest. The believers in Colossae were prone like you and I are to make earthly things their focus in life. At one time, it was their earthly pleasure, sensuality. If you read through the book, I mean, you're going to come across, uh, you know, exhortation about sexual purity, and, which indicates that they evidently struggled with that prior to their salvation. So there was a lot of earthly, sensual things that they were focused on, fleshly appetites, the, to use the words of John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's what all of our struggle is. So they went from that, they were saved by God's grace. But then what happened is this group entered in that, that posed themselves as though super saints or super Christians and said, well, if you really want to be spiritual, you got to keep the law. You got to keep the dietary law. Now they were Gentiles, but they were trying to urge them to say, well, if you want to be good Christians, you got to be good Jews. Jewish thinking. Keep the feast days, keep the dietary laws, observe circumcision. And Paul is, is saying, listen, don't get focused on earthly things. That's the context of these verses. Chapter two, he's dealing with that. Now, we're not going to take the time to deal with all the doctrinal errors that they were dealing with. But I think you can see right there, not necessarily that they were making it a works-based salvation as in the case of Galatians, but they were a work-based spirituality that was more focused on themselves, which was still human focused rather than focused on Christ. They, um, they weren't living out their biblical Christianity. They were trying to attain it by their own works. And thus they were also looking for spiritual experiences the worship of angels and, and other things, this, these uh, esoteric experiences that they were having. And, and so they were living for those things. Paul says, stop. You're focused on the wrong things. Get your mind back on Christ. But Chad, as you and Sarah move to Kenya, no doubt you're going to face exactly many of the same exact things that Paul was facing right here as he wrote to the church in Colossae. 
Africa is known as a Christian nation. But if you've studied and understand from those that have served there, then it is a polluted gospel. What I mean by that is that there's a mixture of works and grace, and the two don't mix. Well, it's not just there, but it's here as well that people try to add to salvation. Hey, look, you, don't, you can't add anything to salvation. Jesus finished the work. It is a finished work of salvation. You don't add anything to it. To add anything to it to say that it was not sufficient. I know I've mentioned this before, but if it's a real good steak, you don't need steak sauce. Amen right there? To add steak sauce is to say this is not very good steak. Hey, listen, but if it's a finished work, it's good. You don't need anything added to it. You go eat at a New York style pizzeria. Am I, am I right about this? You don't add ranch to it. That's an offense. Brother Montoro is cringing here on the front row. You don't add ranch dressing to pizza. That's saying the pizza's not sufficient. Here, here's what I'm saying. When it comes to salvation, you can't add anything to what Jesus has already done. But Brother Chad, what you're going to encounter is you're going to encounter people that are trying to add works to what Jesus has already done. You've got to stand firm on salvation by grace through faith alone. Apart from any works, you're going to encounter a polluted gospel. You're going to have people that believe that they're, that they're okay because of their heritage or because they were Catholic growing up or Methodist growing up, and they're going to be so confused. Listen, just stand on the gospel and preach the Word of God, and it'll do the work. You're going to find strange religious practices, a, a syncretism of animism and, and, and what they call Christianity. It's just going to be mixed together and you're going to have to stand and, and stand on the truth to, to make that very clear. I, I really do appreciate that you recommended to me to read the book uh, and I'll listen to the audio version of it called Running for My Life about a runner that uh, ran in the Olympics called Lopez uh, Lapong. It's a fascinating story. But as I got into the book, part of it, it talked about how that as a Christian, he went back to his culture there in Kenya and South Sudan, and it was so mixed in with animistic beliefs. I'm telling you, that's a lot how it is in the world of Africa. You're going to encounter that, Brother Chad. But you stand firm that it's not another religious exercise or, or, or experience, but just simply this, just simply knowing and living for Christ. Paul had to fight these things because they were still man-centered. But he urged them to live in a different way. He said, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ, who is at the right, sitteth at the right hand of God. Set, verse 2, set your affection on things above. That literally means this, get your mind on Him. But wouldn't that help us all tonight? Get your mind on Him. Set your mind on Christ. Direct your mind towards Him. Allow, basically it's this way for all of us, allow heaven to navigate your course here on earth. Set your values to be God's values. Make God's interest. What God is interested in is what we ought to be interested in. What's God interested in? The salvation of souls. That ought to be our interest here tonight. Think about this. Um, again, verse number one. The fact that Christ is seated, that means that he's finishing his work and he's also in a place of preeminence. And so since Christ is the central focus of heaven, shouldn't he be the central focus of our lives as well? 
If he's receiving worship tonight in heaven, shouldn't he receive worship here on earth? He's receiving praise in heaven. He should receive praise here on earth. He's being honored in heaven. He ought to be honored right here. He's valued in heaven. He ought to be valued in your life. He's served in heaven. He ought to be served here through your life. Hey, listen, in heaven, every tongue, every nation, every tribe of the redeemed, they're praising him. And so every tribe, every tongue, every nation ought to be praising him here on earth today as well. I'm just simply saying, since he's central there, he ought to be central here. If you then, verse 1, be risen with Christ, and the idea is that you are risen. Your old life is gone. you got a brand new life. You're, you've been crucified or you died with Christ. Verse number 3, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I love the story of the two young ladies that were saved and they were known for going to parties. You've heard me mention this before, but it just fits here very well. It might be a help to somebody. They were invited to go to another wild party and they were supposed to RSVP and they did and said in their RSVP, it said this, we cannot attend seeing that we died. It's hard to attend a wild party if you're dead. Well, what they were indicating is that we've been crucified with Christ and yet we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You've got a brand new life in Christ. I love uh, also verse number three when he says, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. But Chad, Miss Sarah, you and your family, you're going to be safe in Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. I thought about it this way this afternoon, whether you're in a Cessna somewhere between two and 10,000 feet in altitude, maybe higher. That's high enough. Okay, good. Yeah. Or if you're bumping along or stuck on an African road, if you're in God's will, you're in a place of safety. What Paul is saying here is that if you set your affection on things above, it will enable you to live down here below. In fact, the rest of the chapter, chapter three, goes into the personal life when he says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. You see, if, if we get this right right here, if we're setting our affections on things above, then we're going to get out of our life what doesn't match that relationship. Hey, I believe that applies to more than just a missionary life. That applies to all of us. Whatever is associated with the old life shouldn't be a part of your life now. Setting your affection on things above enables you to live, for, live life here below. But Chad... Sarah, setting your affection on things above, it'll help you in your marriage. It'll help everybody in their marriage. Because also in chapter three is about the wife reverencing the husband and the husband loving the wife and not being bitter against her. This is a charge. This is a charge to this couple. I know you understand that church, but it's also a charge to every one of us. But Brother Chad, I charge you, love your wife. Like I tried to say in the time there privately, don't get so busy in ministry that you neglect your wife. It's easy to do. But uh, remember, you're first of all a person, your relationship with God. You're second of all a partner, your relationship with your spouse. You're third, a parent, relationship with your kids. And then fourth, you're a pastor, church planning, pastor, your relationship with the church. Remember, both of you, that marriage is made up of two basic words, love and respect. 
And if you'll follow God's plan for marriage, it will work. Where do you get that? It's right here from Colossians 3. Such, setting our affection on things above. Watch this. Not getting your flight pattern from the world. When you get your flight pattern from the world, they toss respect out and they toss love out. Or they distort love. But when you focus on Christ and you get your flight pattern, are you following what I'm saying by analogy? Everybody with me? We're on this flight together. When you get your destination from Christ and your destination is his presence and you get your flight pattern, so to speak, your life pattern from him, he'll teach you what it means to love your spouse and respect your spouse. He'll also teach you how to parent, verse 20 and 21, about your kids and about you being a parent that would encourage them and nurture them and encourage them along. And then also chapter four, Brother Chad, I thought about this as well. It'll help you on the mission field. In chapters four and verses two through five, it talks about the missions and, and missions endeavors and getting the gospel out further and praying that God would uh, give him that door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ and take the gospel further than it has before. Your destination determines your direction. And so I'm, we're going to be praying for you all, even as, as your destination is heaven ultimately. But that destination has determined that you believe that God has called you to church planting missions in Kenya and South Sudan. That's determined your direction while here on this earth and specifically in that realm also to live out what is biblical Christianity before others. But that also applies to every one of us. Let me ask you tonight. What's mostly on your mind? Because having our affection on things above is not just for missionaries. It's for every believer. What's on your mind the most? What sure is easy throughout the day to get your mind on all kinds of other things and get focused on this and focused on that. Next thing you know, you end up over here, you end up over there, you end up doing this. And you forget what in the world you're here in the first place for. Let's get our eyes back on Christ. If we get our eyes on him, then he will determine the direction that we're supposed to go in life. Are you too focused on earthly matters? Are you distracted by earthly concerns and earthly values? It may be tonight that God is speaking to someone here to say, you know, you're too focused on things here below. Get your focus here. And if you get your focus here, he'll help you here below. Setting your affection on things above will determine the direction of your life here below. Father, I thank you tonight that, Lord, um, we are privileged through the gospel to know Christ and thus to have our affection set on things above. Lord, I pray for Chad and Sarah Hainline that they would continue to do that. I see it in their life. I see the love that they have for you, and I see the love thus that they have for one another and for others. And God, we, we pray tonight that you would use them mightily. And I pray that they would always put you first. I pray that you would be central to their life. But then also, God, I think about each and every one of us that really, that which is true in their life as a church planning missionary is also to be true in our lives, to have you central, to put you first 
to allow who you are and where you are to determine how we live here below. So God, I pray that you'd help us to set our affection on things above and not on things here on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here tonight.